Hey guys, it me. I'm back. Sorry for the long break. Um, I thought I would be back to you in February, but we've been really busy here at work. We had a burglary and I've been dealing with some pretty bad allergies, but the good news is that I'm here today to record an episode and I have a helper. Hi everybody. I'm back. (laughs) Art's back. Um, We kind of plan this episode on the fly uh we were initially going to talk about denim and then we weren't able to do that because we got really busy with denim denim. so so we're over denim yeah we're kind of over denim right now we don't really want to talk about it so if that was something that you were really looking forward to hearing i'm sorry um maybe maybe in a few weeks yeah Yeah. maybe the next one right now we're just kind of over it so anyways um did you want to talk about the burglary at all I know you wanted to say thank you. I do. Thank you, everybody, for your support, your kind words, and your encouragement, and the juju that we're putting on the perpetrator or perpetrators. So Mm -hmm. karma goes around. So we're keeping it positive. It was just stuff. So it's all good. Yeah. Yeah. That person's going to get some bad karma headed their way. And they picked the wrong scoop to mess with. So. Oh, yeah. And I guarantee there's got to be at least one carpet beetle in there. Yeah. Yeah, guys, my new um, irrational fear is, well, our carpet beetles. (laughs) Um, If you don't know what a carpet beetle is, they can be very damaging to natural fibers. Fibers. So, um, like any kind of hides or fur, leather, silk, they love that kind of stuff. So, 1940s wool. (laughs) Jackets, especially. Yeah. Hate the carpet beetles. So let's hope that the person that stole everything from us took some stuff with carpet beetles on it, and now their house is infested with them. Yeah. Hate the beetle. Hate the beetle. Anyways, um, so today we're going to be talking about kind of like common questions that people who don't do what we do ask us. No, even people who do what we do ask us. That's no, I guess they me. do. They do. Um. I don't know. Maybe you've thought of some of these questions. Maybe you haven't. Either way, it'll be nice to have a reference. So the next time somebody asks us, we can just say, listen to the podcast. Listen to the podcast. Because I've started doing that when people ask me about me, like about my career. I'm like, ah, just listen to that episode Episode one. (laughs) Yeah, episode one, (laughs) basically. So um, I think I'm going to let Art do a lot of the talking today, which will probably be good because I'm still kind of a little sniffly and coffee. So... I think it's better he does yeah. the talking. Real tough Pennsylvania girl. Yeah. Anyways. Tree pollen. Oh, no. <laughs> Gotta hate that tree pollen. Bad pollen. Bad pollen. Anyways, uh, my first question for you yes. would be, and this is probably, I'd say, the most asked question, where do you get your vintage? And I mean that in a bulk sense. Fuck, I hate that one. It's like, seriously? Like, I'm really going to tell you. Like, that's what I do for a living. Well, I'm not going to give no, secrets no. away. Okay. True, true. In this industry, you shouldn't give away all of your secrets. Yeah, sourcing is and the key. And a lot of other industries. I mean, you know sourcing is the key. That's why everybody tries to keep us a secret. And that's why we're the best. Because we don't give away our sources. And we don't give away our clients either. Okay. But I, I think I can... Well, I think I could ask you maybe uh, some questions that don't necessarily require you to give away secrets. Um, 
one of them would be, I guess, have you, the people that you source from, have you been working with all of them for a very long time? Yes and no. That's so the some thing. new ones too? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. People will reach out because of either a relationship we've established with somebody for a long time and they find out from them that, hey, these crazy brothers will buy a bunch of crap from you. So give them a call and, you know, and we'll most of the time take the opportunity to talk to them and try to figure out. You try to do as much as you can over the phone, but you have to see this stuff. Of course. You have to see. Well, no, that's the thing. You think, of course, but so many people are too lazy to get on a plane, fly someplace, drive three to six hours, and take a look at something that could be a jackpot. And I can't tell you how many times that's happened. Most of the time, we're not even the person's first choice to sell to, mm-hmm. you know, but we're just the ones that actually get off our rears and go and look and do well, it. Well, I was actually thinking of it on the other end. I guess me being the eternal pessimist was not flying out to see something and then you buy a whole bunch of garbage. Who says you have to buy it? But you can flip that. Then, okay, you're in a new location. You're in a new place. Go do something else. Sometimes you have to think outside the box. Nothing's going to be handed to you. You have to go and get it. And I can't tell you how many times my brother has flown someplace all the way across the country. What he went to look at was crap. And then he started driving and hitting surplus stores and coming up with these hordes of amazing things that he wasn't even out there to look for. Yeah. And then, you know, obviously it worked out. And then we've that's how we've built our relationships all over the country. Isn't so much people trying to find us. It's we found them and we've maintained that relationship through fairness, honesty, paying a fair price and, you know, thanking them for it. Well, I usually tell people that you guys source realistically from all around the world. And I think that's pretty true. Absolutely. Probably yeah, I mean, uh, we, we even most of the continents. <laughs> yeah. The only thing we haven't bought is in a, some, you know, from Antarctica. Pretty much all the other continents are covered. Even Australia? Yeah, we've bought stuff from Australia. I went to Australia back in 96. Uh, oh, yeah, with your dad, huh? Oh, man, the best trip of my life. <laughs> if, I, if I see another potato again, I will cry. Another potato? <laughs> we, ate a, we ate potatoes every day. He made Armenian, Lebanese, Australian salad, which is basically some cilantro. Olive oil, Where onions, were you and potatoes. saying that you could make this potato salad? In the red light district that had a oh, kitchen. So, yeah, God. we didn't know about it. It was called uh, King's Cross. Okay. Yeah. Well. In, in Sydney. So it was yeah, a great I experience. I don't know if I could handle that flight. It wasn't too bad, except I had to rub my dad's feet about <laughs> 12 hours into it. <laughs> oh, my God. I know. Okay. Um, moving on, I True guess. True love. Did you have anything you wanted to add, or, or can we move on? Um, I mean, do you feel like I covered it? But basically, we'll get stuff from anywhere. It all depends on what we're looking for. A lot of the times, it's something specific someone's asked for, or something we believe is a core product. Like surplus, I'll always buy the right surplus. Denim, I'll always buy the right denim. There's certain things that are a little trendy, like that I'll walk away from. But the timing has to be right and the price has to be right. I don't think I would ever say no to a good deal ever. Okay. You know. No. I think that's all very useful information to answer that question. Yeah. I mean, that's why our Commonly warehouses asked. are full. Yeah. You know. Okay. Um, let's see. What was number two? How do you find 
these big buying opportunities? How do you go about finding them? Is it someone tips you off? Is it self-research? What? How are you finding these opportunities to to buy this great product? I would say 90% of the time it's word of mouth and someone says, hey, I was at a place and have a ton of stuff, but I only took this. Uh, but there's a lot of stuff you guys could be interested in. Or like I mentioned earlier, it could be someone who we've bought from has mutual connections in that area or town and just refers their number to us. Okay. Yeah. And then again, it's just following up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Do you find that there is a um, specific geographic area that's better than others or is that giving away a secret? I guess that would be giving no, away a secret. not at all. That's, um, believe it or not, sometimes the best things are right under your nose and that's happened. You know, we've ventured all the way across the country and I've also ventured maybe 20 minutes away for some of the best buys ever. Mm-hmm. So it's just a matter of putting the effort to looking at it. You have to go and look at it. Yeah. Okay. What would you say was your most exciting buy? I know in the last episode we did together, I asked you like an exciting piece of clothing, but this is more as a a, a whole group of vintage a bulk buy what was the most exciting one that you've ever found exciting like would you say exciting is something fun or would you say exciting is profitable or would you say exciting is something different i hadn't seen because uh, it's like a combination do you of everything. Have, well do you have one that fits into all those categories or maybe almost, individual you know, ones almost every single buy major buy we've done has its own like in a sense, charm and personality yeah. because everyone has a, every one of those buys has a story mm-hmm. and it always involves me and my brother laughing, eating steak or getting kicked out of spaghetti factory for eating too much bread. <laughs> Guys, I'm not kidding. When I uh, moved out here, Art told me, you know, about their, uh, he and his brother's spaghetti factory trips. And I thought he was, you know, he's, he, he knows I'm gullible and he likes to make up things and see if he can get me. And um, I thought that the Spaghetti Factory was fake. I didn't think anybody would actually ever name a restaurant that. I think it's kind of a There's late. one in Fresno. I know there's one in Fresno. I just had never seen it oh, until man, recently. <sighs> um, okay, we're digressing. Okay, yes, yeah. my bad. Um, so Wait. you're exciting by. Exciting by. Okay, when we first started in the early days, there was this opportunity that presented itself a great friend that we still are working with okay tipped us off to hey there's a bunch of stuff in the midwest fly out there go look at it because i don't want to go look at it so my brother flew out there he calls me back and he was very very overwhelmed it was one million pounds of vintage bailed up and that had been sitting there since the 80s and early 90s yeah and then and, for me, I don't know if anybody listening is like me. I just have really poor spatial awareness. So, like, you can say that. But to me, I just can't really picture what that looks like. Could you maybe describe a little bit, like, what what the where it was, what the building was like? Oh, the building was... Just to give people a size It ratio. was one of the scariest buildings we'd ever been in. Scary uh, as in, like, not huge. built well or... Old, old creepy. Yeah. There was definitely, like, ghosts in there. Haunted. You've, oh, it was haunted very haunted and it was super scary 
super dark, no lighting, super humid, and... Did you have any ghost experiences? There? Yeah. Hell yeah! Oh, Kurt and Krista, I hope you're listening, because... (laughs) Oh, man. Kurt and Krista host a really great podcast that I listen to. It's called The Strange Sessions. You should check it out. They talk about all things strange and paranormal and creepy, so... I always they always give me shout outs on their show. I wanted to give them a shout out on mine. Um and typically we don't really talk about vintage and the paranormal. Oh, so you know what? We should get my brother on this because he actually went to the second most haunted place. So anyway, so to give you an idea of how much stuff that is, a normal fifty three foot truck trailer tractor, tractor trailer, trailer yeah. yeah holds forty thousand pounds. Okay. okay. And you said this was one million. One million. Oh wow. So that's two hundred and fifty truckloads. Whoa. And you had to or ship 25. it back to California? Well, that's, yes. We shipped a lot of it back. And we only, at that time, uh, we only had a 13,000 square foot warehouse. So it really, so we had to handpick stuff over there and send it over in trucks. At that time, we were sending whatever Daisy Dukes we can get and all kinds of different vintage stuff. We even still have the bales unopened to this day. And then the rest, we moved someplace else because the owner of the place, who had given us six months to get the stuff out, decided to, hey, I'm selling the building. You need to get the stuff out now. So in that same city, we ended up going to another place. This was in St. Louis, by the way, so it's fine. So we moved it to the Lemp Brewery, which is the second or third most haunted place in this country. No, I don't think so, but... Hey, it's on the register. Okay, well, we'll and look plus, it up. We'll look if it you up. scare my brother... Then you, something's up. Because <laughs> remember, we're from Beirut. The lint? Like... Lemp. L-E-M-P. Lemp. I thought you said the lint brewery. I'm like... Yes, that's weird. what they put as a special ingredient. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so that that was probably pretty stressful. Like, hey, I'm sell, okay, selling this so, building. Get it out. And then you're going right. to move it to another creepy place. Right. And so that was exciting because at the time when we were just getting going... It was cool to see the stuff that we were never able to come across because, you know, we were like the low guys on the totem pole when it came to rag houses and places that had vintage to sell. They would never sell to us. because you were just starting out. Well, not so much that as people were already established and people were charging way too much. Speak of the devil. Row, row. Art's brother's calling him right now. He always calls at the most opportune times. (laughs) It's all right. It's work. It's work. So. Okay. Um, so I say that would be the early you, one. That one's like, like you know, it's like I don't. Did you say time. what specific things were in that mix? Like uh, everything, everything. The best military. The I mean, everything from the forties, fifties, sixties. The best denim, the best everything. And the cool part about that is we were able to donate almost twenty thousand pairs of baseball pants to uh, Central America from there. I'm not kidding. Remember the guy from the Dodgers you'd always see, Jaime, with the speed gun behind Fernando? Well, he has an organization. <laughs> You're asking me I know, I know. But I'm just saying. So we did that. Then we almost sent 10,000 pieces of jackets from that mix to, like, Armenia and other places. What, are the, what were the baseball pants made out of? Very hot polyester. I was going to say, you're sending those to <laughs> Central America. Hey! I feel like some humidity and polyester. Yes, you get what you get. <laughs> and we did not write it off because if you do a good deed, you shouldn't be asking for a receipt. Okay. That's my motto. Yeah. 
feel free to write that down. Okay. okay. Yeah, we'll make make a note of that one. Yeah. All right. Uh, <laughs> can you explain to me? Oh, actually, something you said that stuck out to me that I'm noticing that younger kids these days, when it comes to cultural stuff, I don't know. There's just like uh, there's some gaps there. At least out here in California, like kids, I say something and they're like, I don't know what that is. I'm like, how do you not know what that is? But Daisy Dukes, not everyone knows what a Daisy Duke is. So a Daisy Duke is a cutoff short. I'm telling it's you, there cu- are kids out there that are not going to know what you're talking about. All right, well, Daisy Duke, you know, was the Dukes of Hazard and the yes. Shorts World. And then there was even a rap song about it. Go, go, get them, them Daisy Dukes. And then there was Britney Spears redid it, right? No, that was Jessica Simpson. What up? But she did like Boots. The same, yeah. yeah. No, she did. They didn't do a remake of the Dukes of Hazard. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. don't, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. Whatever. But I'm just saying... Just saying. Yeah, it's true. It's true. well, you know why? Because they're on video games instead of watching good old TV. Yeah, instead yeah. of watching the Dukes of Hazard. Yeah, on the okay. CMT. Um, no oh God. Okay. Shout out to Bo and Luke Duke. Bo and Luke Duke. Uh oh, the Fallout. Okay, so explain to me what kind of fallout you have with these buys. So I think a lot of people are like, okay, you're buying all this stuff. Sometimes you're buying it. Not blindly, but you're not seeing it all. So what kind of fallout is there? Is there a lot of damage? And how do you deal with that? How do you kind of look at it from a financial perspective? We spent X amount of dollars and we have X percentage of waste or stuff that we can't use. Can you explain a little bit more of that process? Yeah. You know, a lot of that, most people use computers and write stuff down, how many pieces. But me and my brother have always been blessed with brains that could calculate things and figure out if something was worth it or not yeah and ultimately it comes down to you got to be able to sell 20 percent right away to pay for your deal and that's kind of our formula internally we've done to ourselves so the goal is like 20 percent needs to pay for spend what so be able to pay for what you spent and cover that cost and then you start making money realistically yeah and you figure 25%, you know, if you buy right, you're going to be fine. Like 20, 25% is give away, donate, and just don't even think about it as part of the deal. So when you figure out, let's say you bought 10,000 pieces for $25,000, don't look at it as, oh, it cost me 250. No, what you should really do is look at it as 8,000 pieces cost you 25 and your cost is three because ultimately you're going to have some waste yeah and 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 then sometimes if you see that your waste exceeds and there's not enough to make worth the shipping the Mm -hmm. effort your time has that happened to you no it hasn't well that's great no 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 well we've you have to walk away from a deal that's not good we've walked away from plenty okay no no there's not it's not a hundred percent every time but what you do is like i said you go someplace you see it the person exaggerated you're like okay you make the best of the situation if the person's willing to work with you but our goal is, we always joked about it, we got to make gas money. Because, you know, when you would go someplace and sometimes we would drive places. Yeah. So, well, I'm going to hit some thrift stores. I'm going to do something that pays for at least my time and that. Not all the time you're going to come out like where you, you know, spend 100 bucks and make 200 but at least you paid for your trip. Yeah. And that's, but so many times that extra effort is what yields you that great connection later on. I mean, we still get calls from people that we met. 15, 20 years ago in Alabama, Mississippi, Nashville, North Carolina, you know, hey, 
Are you fellas still in the business? Yeah, what do you got? Hey, my uncle had a military surplus place, and, you know, he passed away. He wants to get rid of something. And we go there, and, you know, it's like a Trevor Trove. And I think a lot of that is because we treat people right the first time, so they always look forward. Hey, we're fair. Mm -hmm. These guys will treat you right, and we do. Okay. Um, And I think it's to be expected with what we do that – you're never going to get a buy that's perfect. It's vintage. It's not new. You know, you're never going to get it's unrealistic. every shirt and every pair of pants that doesn't have holes, doesn't have stains. It's it's unrealistic. So you have to expect to have that fallout, and that's natural. Well, yeah, but at the same time, it provides a convenience for the person you're buying from yeah. because they don't want to deal with it anymore. So right. just take it and you deal with it. I mean, don't we even, cherry pick. I hate cherry pick. Even with dead stock, you still can have damage. Absolutely, stains yeah. might have got water damage. It might have been in the sun or what's that sun fade that gets up? Yeah, lines like if they're folds. folded yeah. and the sun hits it, that gets a line. Or also sometimes you have dry rot, like with elastic. You know, like when you pull the elastic and you hear it, like oh yeah, that, so. that's that's really common. So even with dead stock clothing, which is technically old clothing that's never been worn, you do have that fallout so yeah do you remember that uh buy we did about four years ago it was a sporting goods place in the midwest and it had been sitting there since the late 70s and the most beautiful i mean there was tons of coaches jackets tons of sand knit dead stock sand knit and the best coolest shorts all of them elastic bye bye gone yeah elastic is Really not built to last, I guess. Or maybe the elastic that they used back then. I'm not sure. Maybe it's just elastic in general is not something yeah. that lasts a long time. I because don't... of the tensile strength, yeah. I think. You know, since it's at constantly at attention, it just eventually, yeah. you know. And then a lot of the stuff we buy is in bales sometimes. So maybe the compression. Oh, yeah, that's true. So a lot of the stuff we get, like Art said, is in a bale. It's compressed in a baler and crushed down. And that can really do a lot of damage depending on... What type of product it is. Cotton handles it a lot better than, say, wool. And, you know, I mean, buttons. It can really Leather's destroy. The worst. Oh, yeah, leather. I, oh, when I see can destroy leather. buttons, zippers. Oh, yeah, closes plastic. up zippers, too, depending on the angle. Yeah. yeah. So that's, I wish there was a way around that, but it's, the compression really makes it much more. Mm, I guess, easy to ship, you know. Well, conden- you can ship more at once. Yeah. yeah. And for storage. Uh, so my last question is, explain the potential problems that can occur during one of these big buys that you do. So we already talked about, like, fallout with the clothing, but, like, maybe this more in a sense of communication issues or logistics issues, anything like that? Oh, yeah. Almost every buy has something that, for us anyway, it seems like... It's a test of problem solving. Yeah. And we've had problems where we've been someplace, we've negotiated prior, you get there, and it's not what they said, and now they feel like you're trying to, you know, basically renege on your price. Yeah. You have some people that are like hoarders too, huh? Yeah. They don't want to give up stuff. But then you're like, why'd you call me? Yeah. And those are the ones you just walk away from. Or you just, you know, delicate, delicate words. Just like, okay, man, just whatever you're comfortable selling, it's cool. We're here. Let's do this. And then sometimes logistically speaking, uh, shipping. 
a lot, a lot of these places don't have access to trucks, and they have tons of stuff. So and they don't have like a dock. Not even a dock. Oh that the man, truck can pull up to and load everything. Exactly, and then you're hauling from one place to another place, so you can actually put it, get it palletized, and on a truck. Uh, a lot of times, like that one place in uh, St. Louis, you're talking about ninety percent humidity, ninety degrees, sweating. I remember we lost probably like ten to twelve pounds of water weight. Well, in a day and it's probably half. how those Central American kids fell after you gave them those baseball pants. <laughs> you know what? They're st- they were playing. They were playing. I bet you some of those guys are in the big leagues now. Uh, polyester back. doesn't break down, so I bet those pants are still down there too. <laughs> you know what? <laughs> anyway, you know what? I'm sending the next batch to Mount Carmel, folks. <laughs> courtesy of Bridget Morawski. Yeah, hometown shout out. Yeah. MCA. MCA, uh, the Fighting Nuns, as they're no. more affectionately known as. Know. No? What were you guys? Fighting, not fighting, the Red Tornadoes. <laughs> Seriously? Yeah. What, what, you've seen a tornado there, like one? No, two? there was something like there was a football game going on, and they said that the team was being so aggressive to the other team, it looked like a Red Tornado, because they were wearing red. I don't know what the mascot was at the time, so that's where the name came from. It was a nun. No, I went to Catholic school, though. I only ever had one nun. Yeah, the rest are all just normal teachers. I had one nun in second grade, Sister Michelle. Michael, you mean? No, no, not Sister Michael. Sister Michelle. She was so mean. <laughs> oh, my God. Listen, like, even though it was in the 90s, these nuns were still trying to get away with, like, the... Ruler? Smack Not them. the ruler, but I saw her, like, grab someone by the ear and rip them out of the classroom. Well, yeah, that's fine. You could still do that now. I mean... And if the kid dacks her... Yanked that ear. Yeah, realistically, the kid probably did deserve it, but... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Knowing what I know about Mount Carmel, yank every ear! <laughs> yeah, all right. Let's see, we so, talked about wait, logistics. I'm not done! Well, I was just thinking what uh, what other issues you could possibly encounter. Well, what if you don't have enough money and a guy's asking for too much? Well, you tell me. What do you, you walk do? walk away. You walk away. If it don't fit, you must walk away. Yeah, but you don't try to haggle. Some people are not haggable. Haggable. <laughs> there's a lot of problems. No, um, you know what? It's if there's money to be made, I don't haggle. My brother is the ultimate haggler. I am not. Yeah. If I see that it's there's enough meat on the bone, I'm fine. But him, oh no, he'll grind you down. Oh, hopefully, he haggled for those uh, wool vests we have. Which ones? <laughs> the toggle vests. <laughs> oh, or the track suits with India. Oh, I don't want to talk. My about brother bought one. a thousand, Ugh. thousand suit. What is it? Not what are they? Track jackets. Like a track jacket with a big patch of India on the back. So if so you if guys anybody out there um, knows a thousand Indians that need track jackets, I don't know. Or people <laughs> that like Indian. Do they have soccer teams Cricket. in India? Cricket? So- oh, they do have a soccer team. Okay, well, anybody, Cricket, we would love hockey. to sell you those jackets. You know what? They have a great field hockey team. Oh. So, okay. Well. Yeah. No, they're very athletic. We also have lots of wool vests with toggle closure. God, yeah. please My let them come wears, back into style. Yeah, toggle closure <laughs> plaid wool vests. Please. That We're sitting on that. That's our jackpot. That's how... I'm going to be able to go on vacation if I sell those toggle vests. So oh, my God. Maybe she, I should do a GoFundMe. <laughs> so not to discourage anybody, but when that opportunity presents itself, it could be overwhelming because it could be too much stuff. But there's no such thing. 
you break it down into its smaller pieces and then you figure out how to do it and you will succeed. And that's our thing. I oh, mean, this I last like... one was unreal. It So many people walked away from it. But me and my brother were like, is it worth it? Yes. How can we get it back to Fresno? And we figured out a way. I don't know how we did it, but we did it. Well, you know, I don't know how to say this without sounding mean. I'm not, I don't want for it. I don't want it to sound mean, but it will. Uh, probably. Um, you know, there's a lot of lazy people out there, and a lot of people that they want it all, but they don't want to do the work for it. They want to make money, and they want to be successful, and they don't want to do the work for it. So. I don't know what to tell you. Oh, that is, there's nothing mean about that. That's honest. Yeah. I oh. hate saying there's a lot of lazy people out there because I know the, a lot I of people agree. who aren't that's, lazy. But... That's why we thrive. Yeah. Yeah. I, hey, lazy people, keep doing what you do. Yeah. Because yeah. you allow me to do what I do, and I do it well. There you go. Yeah. Um, I think that's about it. Do you have anything else you want to add? No, I'm good. Okay. Um, just wanted to take a moment and recognize that uh, Carl Lagerfeld passed away yesterday. If you don't know who Carl Lagerfeld is, uh, please stop listening to my podcast. <laughs> now that's mean. That's mean. Okay, but, that's mean. But for real, uh, if you don't know who he is you and you say you like fashion, you 100% should know who he is. Uh, or if you don't, don't worry about it. Look into it. Research yeah, it. And research that's, him. And that's what I really, really admire about Bridget. Because so much <laughs> comes across where she really is unfamiliar with, but she will research it and learn it if I bring it up. And I love that. And then we have a great discussion about it. And then she teaches me. And then I go and I Google it and research it. And then I am figure out that I'm right. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you know, Carl Lagerfeld was most well known for his role of creative direction at Chanel. Um, 60s and, or 70s? You know, I want to say it was the 70s. Yeah. Um, I There's a really um, great book out there. If you're looking for a good fashion book to read, it's called The Beautiful Fall. And it was written about the relationship between Karl Lagerfeld and Yves Saint Laurent. Um, and, you know, kind of like the friendliness, but also the competition between the two of them. So if you're looking for a new good book to read, I recommend that one. Man, that sounds really good. Yeah, it That's is really good. It is good. Um, you know, it was written by a third party. So I always kind of take those books with a little bit of a grain of salt because you don't know. They're basing everything off of interviews with people and kind of commonly known facts. But still, it's very well done. A lot of it is based in... In Marrakesh, which, you know, is a dream place oh of mine to visit. I really oh, yeah. want to go to Morocco. Um, but, yeah, check that book out and take some time to learn a little bit about Carl and pay him the respect he deserves, um, you know, and for the creative genius that that he was. You know, at times he was known for being a little brash and not so nice. Uh, but at the same time... He created a lot of beautiful things. So at the very least, I can say that about him. And uh, I've always had a lot of respect for him. So rest in peace, Carl. Rest in peace, Carl. And for anybody that has any questions or if there's other questions you have other than what I covered, please, please let us know. 
Yeah, you can reach out to me on Instagram. The Instagram for the podcast is at my best vintage life podcast. Or if you're following me on my personal inst- Instagram, Instagram, yeah. I can't talk today. Uh, you know, you can reach out to me that way as it's well. Appalling. And uh, that's all I got. So stay safe, my friends, and don't be basic. Don't be basic. All right. Bye.